Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on Power Your Life. I'm Dr. Joanne White, and it's always a pleasure to be here. And I'm sending out beautiful, peaceful, loving vibes to everybody all over the globe because we're all going through challenges, whatever they may be. And it's important to know that there are people there and here who are thinking of you, even if they don't know your name. And speaking of people who care and who may not even know your name, there's been so much going around and so much that's been hidden regarding sexual abuse, especially with children and and teenagers and young adults. And oftentimes many of those individuals who have been sexually abused have remained quiet feeling sometimes that they did something wrong, feeling shame, being afraid to speak up, but it's time and it's so important so that other people, other children, other adolescents don't have to suffer the same way. And so today I'm very honored to have a very wonderful, beautiful friend and also a warrior and survivor of extreme adult and childhood sexual assault, as well as infidelity. And I'm talking about Barbara Joy Hansen. She has written this incredible book called Listen to the Cry of the Child. And this, in this book, she begins to break the silence after suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder for over 38 years. Barbara has been interviewed on Focus on the Family, The Dr. Ah Show, and CBN Asia, the 700 Club Show, and so much more has garnered the attention of countless newspapers, magazines, television, and radio interviews globally to share not only her story, but her message and her own way of healing. It is so important that we do that. Barbara has made it her mission to reach out and to speak to others globally with passion, purpose, as well as deep empathy towards not only the individuals who've been abused, but also the abusers as well. Welcome, Barbara Joy Hansen. How are you? I'm wonderful, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You know, it's, it's really an act of courage to be able to, firstly, to to write this book and and to be able to then speak about what you've been through so openly and and also with, with you know such panache because i think people need to hear this and and even the title of the book is so beautiful and and i think in that 
title. It embodies so much. So tell us a little bit about what you've been through, a little bit about your story, and also how you came up with this beautiful title. Okay, let's start with the title. Um, Listen to the cry of the child. Um, In 1999, I faced one of my perpetrators, the clergy, the elderly clergy, with support with the disciplinary committee. Uh, Discipline for him, he was still alive after decades of silence. I hadn't seen him in 38 years. And um, I went back to the... um, campgrounds and saw a best friend uh, who went forward with me and three other adult survivors to face him. And when he came out of the room after we had confronted him, one of the clergy that led us through this case, sex abuse case, said to him, you better listen to the cries of the children. And I had never thought about writing a book or getting it down on paper, but I thought if I ever write a book, that's going to be the title, Listen to the Cry of the Child, is what I entitled it. And I had grief journals written. I couldn't look at those journals. They were hidden in my desk, many of them, with all the raw pain of the things that I had gone through from incest at age 2 to 8 by, I don't say my, because I don't want to own him, grandfather, who um, sexually incested me, my cousins, female cousins, and my mother. Now, my mother couldn't tell or protect me, and I couldn't tell her. And you mentioned in the beginning, uh, Joanne, about PTSD. I don't know if you've heard it called traumatic amnesia, but that's really what it is. I felt like I was sleeping my whole life, like hidden under a rock, and it's much, it's numbness. It's much like what the soldiers, um, you know, suffer. I've spoken to the U.S. military in Natick, Massachusetts, near where we live, um, about, um, you know, what I experienced and identify with the wounds, the hidden wounds, the soul wounds that you can't see on the outside. You know, so often, because I've actually done some work many years ago with, with, uh, people that were sexually abused and and so often like you're talking some of them didn't even remember because because to go no. through that pain that that kind of abuse sometimes you literally just kind of le- almost leave your body and maybe something later on triggers that memory or mm-hmm. and, and whatever and and so yeah I totally get it yeah the um the horror of what they do to you and and as well as what he did to himself what he took when he took me my grandfather took me out in his car um and of course he entered my bath time and did you know other things in the middle of the night with me but the car rides were the worst they were always out of ice cream i'm sure he ate it up before i came to visit at christmas and thanksgiving and other holidays um, and uh, he uncovered himself and unzipped himself and wanted me to touch him. And, I mean, I I was two until eight. So at age yeah, eight, you don't I really, shut down. Right. And, you, you know, you're not, it's, it's very confusing, too, at a young age because uh, you, there's something that feels wrong about it, and yet you don't understand why somebody, especially no. somebody that's close to you, that presumably is supposed to protect 
and love right. you can do something yeah. so horrific. I want to ask you a question because there's there's sure. been so much with respect to the clergy and now as we're seeing a lot of people, a lot of women are coming forth and coming forward regarding um, sexual abuse mm-hmm. in the military. What happened to that case? Tell our listeners, because I think that's important, because oftentimes there's been so much cover-up, and you had to wait years for that. Yeah, and you don't tell because you have no words at that age. And, and you know, I, right. as an adult, I went through... Um, sexual addictions in my marriage as a result from my husband's father's suicide. His eyes got him in trouble and he didn't deal with the anger, so he had severe PTSD as well. But with the clergy, um, the statistic is only 8% of religious leaders are equipped to help sexual assault or domestic violence survivors, and it's a human issue. Our silence only uh, permeates it, and we need to step on a step out and step out so these generational curses are broken. And what I've heard in um, workshops, that particular when you guys came forward, um, yeah, with with my case. So what happened? Uh-huh. What happened to that clergyman? What you know? What happened oh, okay. to the case? That's, who you're that, to. that's okay. important. I want our, our listeners yeah. to understand that there's there can be some justice. Well. <laughs> Yeah, sort of, right? <laughs> well, it was a huge, um, yeah, it was a huge release for me. I never, ever expected to face him or see him again. Um, but when I went back to the campground where we have a cottage and the memories were so hidden, I saw a best friend that I hadn't seen in 27 years. Her parents were pastor and wife as well as mine. And uh, she had been molested by the same clergy as well as a couple other friends of mine and so she went back to Ohio told her pastor's wife and she said do you know anybody else so she wrote me or called me and told me let's go forward are you willing and I said yes so the committee was set up committee of discipline for him uh I was surprised he was still alive um and because he was 27 and when it happened I was only 11 and it happened the second summer when I was 12 as well. So when I walked into that room, oh, I had such panic attacks prior to that, and they treated us like royalty, flew us to Florida to face him, uh, and there were four of us. One at a time we walked in. My voice was so quiet, they taped me prior to going to see him. Um, I had to send in my testimony and write it up, And when I walked in that room, I couldn't even look at him. Um, And my voice was timid, shy. They kept turning the tape recorder up because they taped it. And God said to me, you need to look at your perpetrator and speak to him. And my voice got courageous and strong. And I read my one-and-a-half-hour testimony. I remembered it like yesterday of what he did and how he did it and things that I had experienced, and if you go on my website, listen to org, you'll see my CBN Asia four-minute documentary YouTube um, film that was filmed in the Philippines, and it explains exactly what he did to himself and to us. So then they, cut, they also, these 
a clergy set up a committee of restoration for me and the three other women. They had a well-known psychologist sit next to me, and then he was on the right, and then the clergy. And the clergy had never done this before. I had, of course, never faced a perpetrator before. I wanted to face my grandfather, but he was dead. He, I had to wait till he was dead at 101 years of age. But I didn't have courage. I hadn't come clean with my secrets or any of that. So when I faced him and told my testimony, I said to him, who hurt you so bad that you had to hurt me so bad? I said, and he said, um, like you, I grew up in a faith-based home, and I don't recall being molested, but I don't know if you can find it in your heart to forgive me. And there was no admission of guilt or on his where he said that, and with a shred of hope for me. I said, yes, I forgive you. I wouldn't have been here had I not forgiven you. And by that time, I was starting to teach a Beauty Out of Ashes support group with domestic violence and sexual abuse survivors. So I knew a little bit more. I was getting more awareness. And I said, but you need to run into recovery for all those children that you hurt from campground to campground to campground. Sex offenders hurt 350 children per perpetrator and most aren't caught and that was that's a statistic in sports illustrated coaches abusing their children that they coach in the 1999 issue of sports illustrated and that is tremendous one out of three of us women one out of five men have been sexually abused every two minutes a child's molested under the age of 18 every five minutes a woman is forcibly raped and they go into prisons and come out of prison and go right back to the drugs and alcohol which is why i got involved in prison ministry as well so but, what happened um, happened to this oh yeah him, yeah um only seven weeks after i faced him I did choose to forgive him, and I use that word very carefully because I don't tell survivors that they have to forgive. That's something they have to work through and work out, and I never intended, like I said, to face him, let alone forgive him. But I, I Did he go him. to prison? Seven weeks later, I got a phone call from the head of the committee that told him, you better listen to the cries of the children, told me on the phone he was weeping, and he said, you need to sit down for what I'm going to tell you. He said this pastor fell down the stairs and broke his back and died just seven weeks after you forgave him. And I could not believe it. Joanne, I don't have to be his judge and jury. The shame went on him. He had a seven-week window to get right. I don't know if he did. That's between him and his God. Do you think he purposely fell down the stairs? or, or I have know. no idea how that happened. Uh, he he. They took his ministerial license away. They revoked it, and uh, I I was afraid he was still continuing because they don't stop at one, as I just gave you that statistic. Um, so in a way, it was a release for me that he was gone. He was dead. So um, I knew when I came home from that. Uh, experience with the sex abuse case I had to write it all down and I wrote it beautifully in my book illustrated by my artist son um, and 
my son, who is an art, um, and I spoke about some of the scripture verses that I put in my book. And uh, one is Psalm uh, 23. I had him illustrate that. And I knew it had to have a cover um, that drew you in, that said, I have to read her book. And three nights in a row, I didn't know what the cover was going to be. I knew it had to have a picture of me on the cover, holding my teddy bear, me crying with a tear coming down my cheek, sitting in my bed at night, weeping, wanting God to hear me, feeling empty, lifeless, hopeless, withdrawal, depression, insomnia, memory blocks, panic attacks, severe PTSD, nail-biting, causes sleepwalking. I had all that. And I knew it had to have a, a picture on the cover that said, Joanne, you have to read my book. I have to get that book. And it has a garbage keep, heap on the cover. And I thought, garbage? My life's not garbage. Why? But in God's still small voice, he said, no, but there's a clay pot that your son drew with a crack in the pot. That's the cracks in our foundations, things that happen to each of us in our homes, in our lives. Someone tossed out a broken, cracked pot no one wanted. And in God's still small voice, he said, your life's been broken and tossed like that rag doll on the garbage heap, violated by incest, pastoral sex abuse, stuck because of sexual uh, adultery and pornography in your marriage, and you were running from it. And you had severe postpartum depression. You didn't know what to do. You didn't know who to tell. And then when you did tell, someone in your church, a very small church we went to, called me and she said, I thought you two had a good marriage, Barb. How could your husband do this to you when she heard about the adultery? And it's like throwing arrows at the one that's been hurt, betrayed, you violated. You know, so often, Barbara, Awful. that... that which is why so many people have kept silence for, you know, right. so many youngsters and, and even adults kept silent because, kept silent because mm-hmm. and especially many, many years ago, oh, so what did you do to the, to the person that was abused? What did you do that made mm-hmm. that person rape you or made that person were you were you doing something and 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 again that's not the case but it was twisted and turned around in such a way that people felt like you know you've described in your book and and talked about the shame even though they didn't do anything wrong and yet that's how they were made to feel and hopefully we've done a little bit more recently in the last few years like you've been describing to change that stigma but there's so much more to do so i have a question for you mhm in terms of your marriage what happened i mean you know he was he was not mm-hmm. being faithful and and but was he sexually abusive too or 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 what was going on there he had so much hidden anger inside of him because of his father's suicide. My husband was only 27 when his dad took his life under mm. the exhaust manifold in the car in the garage, and his youngest brother, 
think he might have been 19 in his first year of college, found his body with his mother. And uh, that shut my husband. Of course, men don't talk to each other anyway. And he kept it inside for a long, long time. So the anger came out towards me. And then, of course, I'm thinking, why is he? And he's so calm, usually calm, collected, cool engineer, uh, field engineer. And he he didn't get angry up until that point. Now, his father had a lot of rage, and I was terrified of his dad. But when that came out towards me, I hid three times on him. He was slamming doors. And I was so shaken. I mean, why am why is he being so angry? Well, I figured out it's because of his, his dad's suicide, which I wrote about in my book as well, and the letters that he wrote to me. Um, when he realized what he was doing and, you know, how it portrayed our marriage. And I um, made him go to a therapist because I thought, I can't deal with him. And he's like, oh, I'll just go live with one of the kids. We have three sons. No, I don't want them to know all this stuff. That's, you know, why go to them? You need help. So I went into a workshop in a prison conference one time, and I heard a wonderful therapist in New England speak, and I had her number. And he was willing. He owned up. He was willing to go. And I don't know what they spoke about. I don't have to know. On three different occasions, um, one time I escaped and went to one of my friends' house because I was so shaken by his anger. So it, it's an inside uh, rage in your soul when you have that rage that you haven't dealt with. Uh, Anger does all kinds of things. He had anxiety, he had stomach aches, he thought he had cancer, he thought he had AIDS uh, because of the women that he was with. And so both of us got tested, and we didn't have it, thank God. So it's so important, you know, because life happens. Somebody commits suicide, somebody dies by somebody else's whatever and it's so important as you're saying that people really face whatever's going on the anger the hurt the shame the the grief what because mm-hmm. otherwise it can manifest as it did mm. with your husband in all sorts of other kinds of things and especially when that anger finally erupts towards another person towards someone presumably that he loves like your like yourself so right. our, what happened to the marriage? We're still together, 55 years. I've helped him heal. I had to heal. God healed my soul first when I grieved my losses when I wrote my book. I wrote my book and got it published three years after I faced the clergy. And I, boy, did I grieve. And unless you grieve all your losses, you'll end up lost forever, locked up in a prison with no walls or no no corpses. In writing my book, I began the process of grieving all those losses from my childhood and um, all the things that I had gone through. But um, if you, if you skip, skip the grief process, the grieving, it's a life-shattering sorrow uh, or many, many sorrows that create PTSD, and the core of grief is anxiety and causes fear and overwhelming, um, you know, some people want to end their lives because of the grief or things they've gone through. And I don't know what his 
mother and my husband's mother and father went through in their marriage, but he did tell me that age 14 he was sent to a camp, which at that age he wanted to stay home with his friends because they had counseling. So something was there, um, you know, and no, he never I, wrote I, a suicide note. Wow. I have to say something, though, because a lot of people in your situation, a lot of women would not have been able to go through the forgiveness and, and maintain the marriage. And I so know. kudos to you to be able to do that because that's that you know, that that takes a lot of work, a lot of healing as you oh, said. Yeah. And so much to be able to still look at this person that made you have hide out of fear and be able right. to, to stay with him and feel safe and still loved and loving. So that's so so critical for for people for our listeners to hear because it's like there is hope, there is healing, there mm-hmm. is a way beyond beyond the hurt. And but again, he had to do the work just like you did, Barbara, to, to yes. get to that place. Mhm. Well, my addiction I'll admit it, I had a very dark night of my soul, was codependency with a drug addict. The only chapter in my book I wrote about that was going into prison to visit this man that was a a prostitute, a male prostitute, um, a heroin addict. My husband and I took him in and out of our home over an eight-year period. And I am an overcomer now. Um, I am no longer a victim. even after suffering mental and an emotional double sickness, being all alone or feeling alone, restoration and intimacy is possible. Now, intimacy, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of T.D. Jakes from the Potter's House in Texas. He's a black preacher on television. He has written Woman Thou Art Loosed. That was one of the best books I read in the very early stages of my understanding. And when I um, started understanding what my husband had gone through, um, I started getting more empathy towards him. And I, you know, taking this addict in, I learned a lot about myself. We had I had to let go of him, and I could have been his. He, he slept. He told me he slept with about 400 women. He showed me his long rap sheet. He broke an entry and all that, as they do when they steal and rob and provide drugs and use drugs. But I learned a lot from him. But I also learned so much about myself that I was just as sick as he was. And as I let go. Um, that's when the silence set in. That's when I realized I had quite a story. I didn't realize as a kid that I even had any kind of a testimony. When my father would have an addict tell about his alcoholism from the pulpit, um, you know, what do I have to say? And I asked my husband years ago before I faced the clergy, before I wrote my book or anything, I said, there's a purpose for me. What is it? Why am I born? We're all, and I know you know this, Dr. Joe, everybody has a God-given purpose to give you've received. And I didn't know what it was. And it was inside of me so deep that I had to find out. And I asked my husband, he said, you're a wonderful wife and mother. I said, no, but it's so much deeper than that. 
I understand that. I love our children. I loved having the skateboarders and the skateboard ramp in our backyard and the swimming pool. But there was a much deeper purpose for me, and that was in helping other survivors, even this, with your show, if I can help one person understand this, that these secrets destroy our soul and we need to uproot them and take the Band-Aid off and let the pus come out and talk about it and, and understand uh, what happened to us and become an overcomer like I have. And you know, so what's when so the, important, you mentioned the word yeah. restoration and mm-hmm. the way to get to restoration and the way, the way to be able to move beyond that, as you said, is to confront whatever you're going through. I mean, if you keep bottling it in, if you keep hiding it, if right. you keep running from it, it it doesn't go away. It, and it, as you said with your husband, you know, it comes out in, in other ways, whether it's addiction, whether it's mm-hmm. it's hurting someone else. So it's so important that when when you're able to do that, there's a, an ability to heal, to feel so much freer from whatever right. was blocking that, and that and that's so key, so very there's a very freedom. Yeah, exactly. a freedom that comes that you could never get without confronting your past, and that's what people don't get. Even my dad didn't understand because back in the day in seminary, they didn't teach this, they didn't have awareness or any of it, and he, you know, he he he, he just didn't get it. He didn't understand why I had to tell. And then I said, "But Daddy, Mom's been hurt by my grandfather." Oh no, no, she wouldn't. She would have run from him. I said, "No, I'm talking about the little innocent little baby." that she was in my grandfather's house. And sure enough, at age 83, she came out with it, and he was absolutely floored. And that's Well, here's the thing. Again, like you're saying, I mean, people think, well, it's okay to just keep it down. I mean, your father just couldn't see it that way. And yet... As we're talking, the whole freedom piece, which and mm. not only freedom, but but again, letting other people know so that it's not happening to them, to to people around them, to family, to friends, or whatever. It's time, and I'm so glad that you've come out with this book and and are talking mm. about it so and openly because people need to know that this is going on and you gave these incredible statistics it's mm-hmm. like so much is going on under our noses when and we don't even know and so many people are still unfortunately remaining silent from whatever reason the shame the guilt the not knowing the the fear you know mm-hmm. whatever it is so this well, my book, freedom by the way, day folks. began. My, my freedom day really began in 1998. Um, I confronted the clergy the next summer, but when I was watching Oprah, um, and it was on Family Secrets, and my mother and I were watching it. And as you know, she's helped a lot of people, and I was searching and digging and reading right. a little here and a little there. And when the show was um, turned off. Um, that's when my mother went upstairs to get her pajamas on, and I was down with my father. And at that time in our life, we were taking the addicts in and out. None were in our home at that time. But my father said, well, why do you have to tell your mother? And 
I just felt like I was living a lie my whole life. And I I really wanted to do what the guests were doing on Oprah's show. And because you're just so hidden with this tremendous shame, years of doubt and fear bound me for decades. And I didn't know what it would take. So the anger came out. I mean, it was like a volcano. I was, and I'm not, I'm not an angry person, but it came out towards my dad. I said, why can't I tell him? I'm not, I'm, I'm the victim here. And an abuse victim suffers in silence by remaining silent. So why do I have to stay shut up? And I'm ministering to those crushed spirits, the drug addicts and alcoholics and prostitutes and ex-cons the world sees as throwaways. And so finally he said, well, then maybe you better tell her now. And all that suppressed anger came up like poison from a viper, came out with a flow of overflow of tears and sobs. I didn't even know were down inside of me. My husband ran upstairs, wondered what we were Actually, I was screaming, and we sat at the table. I grabbed my mother's arm. I told her uh, what happened, and she stopped me, and she said, yes, me too. And then she said to me, why didn't you tell me years ago? Well, I chose to tell my dad, thinking that he would understand. Being a clergy, I, you know, and a lot of times we tell the wrong person. Um, And I told my mother then, and she said, yes, it happened to me too. So if you're choked by fear in your soul, just like the flower on the coming out of the flower pot, that's the garden of my life. It can now bloom and blossom. The fear is uninvited, but it needs to be an offering to work through those fears in order to free your soul to live. So that's me now. I'm an overcomer. I've moved from victim to survivor to thriver to um, victorious survivor. And I am no longer afflicted, crushed, perplexed, not desolate, uh, not struck down, not forsaken. I'm not destroyed anymore. Jeremiah 30:17 says, I will restore you to health, declares the Lord, because you were called an outcast. And a lot of us feel like outcasts that have gone through this. You know, it's so very, very true. And it's wonderful that you have been able to have the courage to speak up, to confront even the perpetrators, to even forgive, which mm. which some I, I remember doing a seminar years ago and, and the topic about forgiveness came up, and one of the members said, "So I was abused. I was sexually abused at at age eight, and I refused. There was so much yeah. hatred, yeah. so much I've heard that too. in this woman's voice. She just she said, I will never forgive him. And yet, as you and I both know, forgiveness may not always be for the other person. It's more That's to right. help you be able to heal and be able to." not hold all of that inside of you. So that's so key. So, Barbara, I am so proud of you and the journey that you've done and the purpose that you've had to be able to share your story and your resilience and your ability to move past all of that to be the person that you are today. So tell our listeners how they can get a hold of this book, listen to the cry of the child, how they can find you and learn so much more about the journey. I'll give you um, my website is listentothecry.org. 
I'll give my phone number out because they can order copies from us because the only way that we can help others that have been abused and orphans that are uh, trafficked, we've been to the Philippines for two months, I've spoken all over the world, um, is 508-473-1280. And my email address, if anybody wants to have me on their show for a press release, they can uh, email me at smallcasebobbyjoyhanson at juno.com, B-O-B-B-I-E-J-O-Y-H-A-N-S-E-N at J-U-N-O.com. Thank you so much. And, Barbara, thank you so much for, for having the courage and the strength to come forth and to also tell the story so that so many others aside from you, can heal and be strong from your message. Thanks again. Thank you. You're such a blessing. So are you, sweetheart. Take good care. Okay. So think about what Barbara said, because it's so important to be able to face those demons, whether they're the ones that are inside of you or people that have oppressed you, violated you in any way, shape, or form, and often we keep silent, and yet the silence doesn't change anything. The silence only grows within you into some other kinds of things like her husband who whose anger finally erupted and was directed at the wrong person, at his wife, at Barbara. So remember, each one of us, has so much inner strength, even if we don't recognize it, even if at the moment that something happens to us we may not feel able to, there are people, there there are other people, there are counselors that can help you, that can help you move forward and heal. And it's time. It's time to come forward. It's time to speak up. And it's time to actually not only heal oneself, but to help heal our, all of us globally with some some of the atrocities that continue, as Barbara gave those incredible statistics, continue to be committed on a daily, on a minute-to-minute basis. So think about the courage that you have within you. I wrote about that, I believe, today. The courage that you have within you, even if you don't know it. And and there have been so many stories, including Barbara's, about somebody's incredible strength that they didn't know that they had, but when they had that moment, they had to act. They had to respond, a life-and-death moment. They were able to do so with grace, with fortitude, and you can too. So... Remember, you have more strength and power within you, not power over someone else, but power to be able to speak your truth and, as Barbara said, also be able to uncover and find that purpose that's within you to allow you to thrive. So thanks for joining us. If you want to get a hold of me, I'll give you the short version. Go to docwhite.org and... Take a step forward. Take a step forward into your own power, your own strength. You deserve it. Have a great, blessed day. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. 
Listen often and spread the word about the Upbeat Show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.